Welcome to Quick Brain, bite-sized brain hacks for busy people who want to learn faster and achieve more. I'm your coach, Jim Quick. Free your mind. Let's imagine if we could access 100% of our brain's capacity. I wasn't high, wasn't wired, just clear. I knew what I needed to do and how to do it. I know Kung Fu. Show me. Welcome back to the Quick Brain Podcast. I am your host and your brain coach, Jim Quick of Quick Learning, where we help people to learn quickly. And I want to thank you for tuning in to this episode. We're going to talk about why people, quote unquote, change once they become parents. And so your question for you today is what happens to our brains when uh, we become parents? If you are a parent, if you have a parent, if you plan to be a parent, if you know a parent, if you employ a parent, it would be a nice way of understanding, um, you know, as many of you are, are geeks and nerds nerd out about the, about the brain and neuroscience um, you know, this is a topic that's interest of me personally. This is why I wanted to have this conversation. Um, and you know, in the beginning of the year, I became a first-time parent, first-time dad. And uh, I think my brain is changing a little bit as well. Could be the sleep deprivation. I don't yet know, but I think we'll get insight today. And our guest um, is back. This is uh, Dr. Sarah Mackay. She's a neuroscientist. She's a speaker. She's the founder of ThinkBrain and the Neuroscience Academy suite of training programs. Sarah is the author of the Women's Brain book and also her second book, Baby Brain, which we're going to be having a discussion about today, the surprising neuroscience of how pregnancy and motherhood sculpt our brains and change our minds for the better. Probably most importantly, Sarah is a mom of uh, two teenage uh, boys uh, and, and, a, and a wife and, and so much more we're going to go into in this conversation. Welcome to, back to the show, Sarah. Oh, thank you, Jim, and congratulations on parenthood. Yeah, I, I, I've been uh, wanting to have this conversation, my team also. Uh, we have uh, some expected uh, parents on the team. Uh, or um, also parents on the team, and everyone wants to just understand people a little bit better mm. as well. I guess all around the world, they call it something different. Some mm. people call it baby brain, um, amnesia, uh, pregnancy brain. Is it is it real? Uh, what's what's going on? Yeah, so this here? is a word that people use, as you said, different words around the world to describe feeling forgetful, lack of attention, the inability to kind of function in the way that you felt that you were cognitively able to before pregnancy or parenthood. And if we look at women, around four out of five women will put their hands up and say, hey, yes, that's me. I, I, I feel that way. But what's really interesting is when we bring these women into the research lab, either during pregnancy or in early motherhood, and apply a range of cognitive tests, we just simply don't pick up any evidence of broad scale cognitive decline. These women aren't losing their minds. They aren't becoming more forgetful. There is one point when we do, in some women in some studies that have been done, detect maybe a, a point score less on a on a test of perhaps um, something like verbal memory or numerical reasoning doing maths equations, and that's in the third trimester of pregnancy, which is we know when the brain is undergoing this significant reorganisation. However, other studies have also gone in and looked at that precise moment, that third trimester of pregnancy, and also found cognitive enhancement for other types of skills really? there. Yeah, so we've got quite a paradox here. We've got the, the experience of women 
saying, hey, I the subjective experience of feeling forgetful and then the objective lab testing saying, hey, look, we're not really picking anything up. So what's going on in the middle there? Um, and that's essentially what I wanted to write a book about. And also, um, I'll confess, <laughs> I didn't experience baby brain when I was pregnant or in early motherhood. But I think it's quite important to point out I didn't expect to forget. It wasn't part of my kind of understanding of, of pregnancy. It, was, it wasn't part of my lexicon that that I would I would forget. Um, and certainly as a neuroscientist, when I was told that this was a thing, I just sort of dismissed it. I thought, what would Mother Nature's intention be to make women kind of more stupid during pregnancy and, and motherhood? And certainly our understanding from the mammalian kingdom is um, mothers show cognitive enhancement. They get better at doing what they do when, when they go through pregnancy and motherhood. Um, so I think just mm. to kind of interrogate that paradox there, Various researchers have gone in and looked at that, and there's there's a number of explanations in there. One is it's very much associated with a sense of well-being. So women who are more anxious, depressed, sleep-deprived, typically report lower well-being during you know pregnancy or early motherhood, are much more likely to rate their memory as poor, even if they sit down and do memory tests and, and they, we, we say, hey, look, your memory's fine. So there's a real kind of a self-perception part of that. Another part is why do we remember and how do we remember? And memory depends on attention, what information we take in and what information we filter out. And our pregnant brains have been reorganised to focus in on keeping this new little human alive and to read their social cues and to understand who they are. So we've really got an enormous shift of attention, either when you're pregnant and you've got a baby in your belly um, or keeping this, this new little person in your life healthy and safe and alive. So we've got a, an enormous shift in attention. And if we forget, you know, you forget where you've, the, the classic where you've put your keys or to check your emails, it's not because you're experiencing some kind of cognitive deficit. Um, it's simply that your attention was focused somewhere far more important. So if you aren't really coping, you forget one thing, well, you just internalise that and blame your brain. I'll blame baby brain, blame my hormones, when the issue might be social support. It may be that you simply can't do it all because it's a really big, it's, a, it's an entire new career that you've suddenly been, you know, taken on board so let, let, let's unpack that a little bit. Mm -hmm. So you didn't experience, uh, you know, this this phenomenon mm -hmm. as you knew it because you weren't maybe exposed to it. Mm -hmm. In in our work, we we have, we teach something called a limitless model, where yes, people can learn methods for reading faster, or learning languages, or giving speeches without knows, remembering names. But I realized that a lot of people don't always do what they know, and common sense is not common practice because you also have to address people's mindset. Mm -hmm the set of assumptions and attitudes they have about pregnancy mm. and their expectations, uh, what they believe is possible, what they believe they're capable of, you know, the, these kind of uh, invisible scripts that we're running and that were imprinted mm. on us, mm. which could definitely um, change our behavior. Mm. Those beliefs could change our behavior. Um, so you're saying it's not just neurological, it could be social, environmental, it could be uh, part of uh, just even a compromised lifestyle, not getting enough sleep. Absolutely, all, all, all of those things. And, and it's important to remember that we're not picking up cognitive dysfunction in, in, in women. And if we look at the animals of the animal kingdom, as I said, they don't read books on what to expect when they're expecting. So a predator will get better at hunting because you know there's a biological mandate for that that mother to be able to hunt animals to, to you know 
provide food and sustenance for her her young. So if Mother Nature wants us to be able to survive and be able to reproduce, is pregnancy preparing a woman's mind for motherhood? Yeah, essentially that's that's what we see. We see the changes that take place. Um, particularly in these social brain networks, but also in, in, in brain networks involved with rewards. So, you know, even if a baby's crying, you still want to go and pick it up and give it a cuddle. You know, it could be tormenting you, causing sleep deprivation. Um, normally you wouldn't want to spend a lot of time with that little human. So our reward networks are also changed. And we now understand that, that, that a significant degree of these changes take place during pregnancy, primed by the hormones of pregnancy. So yeah, I, I, I like to think pregnancy isn't just preparing our bodies to nurture the baby to give birth and then perhaps choose to breastfeed that baby once it's born, but it's preparing our minds and our brains um, for, for focusing in and interacting with that little little baby and keeping it alive and responding to its cuteness and cries. Hi, this is Jim Quick, author of New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestseller Limitless. And today I am thrilled to share with you some exciting news. It is Limitless Expanded. It's an updated and brand new edition of my transformative guide and now it's enriched with new insights and new tools to help you navigate our post-pandemic world. For a limited time, when you pre-order your copy of Limitless Expanded, you're gonna get exclusive free access to my 13-day Quick Start 2.0 training. It's a brain training, plus a bunch of amazing bonuses. Just go to limitlessbook.com and pick up a copy for you and pick up a copy for a friend. Have you have you done research about male brains? Like what's going on with the father's brain? Yeah. You know, during this process of pregnancy and birth and raising a, a child? Just out of curiosity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fathers are curious creatures because they could be there for conception only and never be seen again, or they could perhaps be the primary caregiver. When it, when it comes to humans. Um, the first study that was done was was by some Spanish neuroscientists. Um, and like credit must go to them. And this is why it took, I think it took so long for, for these research studies to sort of come about. There were these women in their 30s chatting like women in their 30s do, haven't had babies yet. Hey, I'm, you know, I'm thinking of having a baby. And because they were neuroscientists working in a brain imaging lab said, well, what will happen to our brains when we become pregnant and decided to do a study on that because it had never been done up until that point. Um, what these women cleverly did was they got women who'd never been pregnant, scan their brains before and after that first pregnancy. And they also, these were all heterosexual couples and they scanned the, the male partners, the fathers of those babies' brains before and after their partner's pregnancy. And that was interesting. They saw the significant changes in the mother's Compared to the mothers, the brains of the fathers didn't change at all. However, when they've gone in and looked, zoomed in and looked at the, the, the men only and gathered a few more data points in, this is power of numbers, they see some interesting changes in the male brain structurally. Some brains sort of slightly shrunk in, in some regions of cortex a, a teeny bit. Others didn't change at all and others expanded a bit. So it kind of averaged out at zero, really. But what was what was important was that the degree of change that was seen in the males' brains was dose dependent, and that was dose dependent in terms of how engaged they were, or I hate the term hands on dad, but how engaged they were with the act of fatherhood. So, like anything, the brain responds and changes the more you engage in an activity. If you're wanting to learn golf, you get out there and you practice golf, and your brain will respond accordingly. So, so the same happens in the male brains. What I think is really interesting 
um, that the more significant and reliable change that we're able to see in, in the biology of fathers, and some men find this a little bit confronting, is that we see quite significant drops in levels of testosterone in men when they become fathers. But again, that's dose dependent. It's driven by engaging with the baby. So, you know, we haven't got mum, dad, baby. We've got these little mammalian sort of ecosystems. We're like this, our families are like a little, you know, mammalian ecosystem where our biology is entwined and interacting. And we don't know why testosterone drops when men engage with babies. But one idea out there is that what does a high T guy do with high levels of testosterone? He wants to kind of go out into the world and hunt and gather and, you know, perhaps find another woman to have more babies with. A a guy who's interacting with a baby and his testosterone's lower is much more likely to kind of engage with the baby and help share the care. And, And it's, again, this might be Mother Nature's kind of evolutionary mandate to kind of ensure that babies are cared for by as many able, <laughs> loving adults yeah. as, as possible. So all of our biology changes when we interact with these little babies and it really changes in ways to ensure the survival of the baby and the, and the, and the care of the baby. So, you know, we weren't meant to parent alone. Um, humans are alloparenting mammals, which means we're meant to share parental care amongst all of the adults kind of in that family. And our, and our biology changes. So, Sarah, what would uh, your advice be uh, to a woman, maybe even uh, a man who's uh, planning to get pregnant or they are pregnant or maybe new, new parents uh, with regards to what they're experiencing right now? If, if they were listening right now, um, obviously there's some kind of interest because they, yeah. they've listened to this episode. What would your advice be? There's a couple of things. The first is really this idea that, you know, Mother Nature didn't intend us to parent alone and sharing care, whether that be tag teaming at night time, <laughs> whether that being joining a mother's group. We're so fortunate here in Australia, mother's groups are almost mandated. <laughs> you leave the, the maternity ward and the local community nurse comes around and assigns you to a a community mothers group. The more we can understand the importance of kind of having other adults around us to support, to support the mother, to support the family, Um, you know, mother helpers, days gone by, you know, helped care for the baby, helped hunt and gather food, you know, helped provide emotional support and really importantly taught us how to care for our babies. So, So there's that aspect. And there was one other piece of research that kind of emerged that really surprised me that I wasn't aware of. And that's particularly in women, but we also see this in fathers. Particularly with our first baby, we go into this real sort of state of hypervigilance. And that's actually quite useful and important because, again, we want to we want to keep our baby alive and we want to kind of be alert to any threats. So we are in a state of hypervigilance, and that naturally should tail off by about five, six, seven weeks postnatally. If that sort of state of hypervigilance persists, it can turn into what we would call anxiety, can turn into a clinical condition that can sort of start to interfere with daily life. But to understand that the first sort of month or two, you are in a state of hypervigilance and how that manifests in many, many mothers and also some fathers is these catastrophic intrusive thoughts about something terrible happening to the baby. And Mm. I sometimes think when we understand how normal that is, that normalizes the feelings that we have and it depathologizes them and it decatastrophizes them. If it persists for a couple of months, then you've got to reach out and get help because it could turn into a mental health issue. But to understand, particularly for first babies, that's quite normal. 
And again, Mother Nature is just sort of ensuring you're focusing in on keeping your little baby alive. There's not something wrong with you. Dr. Sarah Mackay, the name of the book is Baby Brains, The Surprising Neuroscience of How Pregnancy and Motherhood Sculpt Our Brains and Change Our Minds for the Better. Dr. Sarah, where can people get their copy of the book? Yeah, so, um, well, if you're in Australia, it's in all good bookshops. If you're outside of Australia, um, you'll be able to grab a copy on Amazon. It's available as, you know, an e-book globally. Download onto Kindle or whatever your e-book is. And there is also an audible version that you can listen and how do people connect with you? My my website's the best. That'll feed you off into social media or my books or courses, etc. So drsarahmackay.com. And I'm also spend most of my time in social media on Instagram. Again, Dr. Sarah Mackay. Well, make sure you follow her there. Um, as always, we'll put it on a list of links to the books, uh, to her website, uh, social media, and so much more at jimquick.com forward slash notes. I want to encourage everybody to make sure you subscribe, uh, especially on our YouTube, where we have over 1 million uh, brainiacs, if you will, that uh, get the, the latest content. We put more than just episodes there. And we also put the extended version of our show that goes beyond uh, 20 minutes as well. I encourage you also to make sure you, if you haven't already, to make sure you take your uh, your brain animal quiz, the, the quiz we develop for cognitive types, uh, which could help you also become a you know, more empowered parent. And that's at my. Uh, brainanimal.com. It's absolutely free. And you get a detailed personalized report on how to apply it towards uh, learning, leadership, and so much more. Dr. Sarah, thank you so much again for being on our show. Thanks, Jim. All right, everybody. I look forward to seeing you next episode. Until then, be limitless. Want to double your brain speed and memory power? If you'd like to learn rapidly and get ahead faster, I'd like to give you my brand new Quick Brain Accelerator program. You will discover exactly what I teach my clients to learn, read, and remember anything in half the time. There is no charge. It's my gift to you for being one of our subscribers. That's kwikbrain.com. Growing up struggling with learning challenges from a childhood brain injury, it's been my life's mission to help you have your very best brain so you can win more every single day. Now, want more quick brain? Here are four ways to fast track your results and lock in what you just learned into your long-term memory. Remember fast, F-A-S-T. The F stands for Facebook. You're not alone on this journey. I invite you to join our free private online group. There you can connect with me, your fellow brain lovers, links to resources, and even submit your questions for me to answer in future episodes. Go to quickbrain.com. That's K-W-I-K brain.com. The A stands for apply. Act on what you learned today. Remember, knowledge is not power, it's potential power. It only becomes power when you use it. So use what you just learned. The S stands for subscribe. Don't miss the next episode and other free brain training. And finally, the T stands for teach. You wanna learn faster now? The key is to lock it in right away by teaching it to someone else. When you teach something, you get to learn it twice. Here's a simple way to do that. Leave a review on iTunes. Leave a review with your biggest takeaway from this episode. You could also post and share this podcast on your social media. It helps us spread our mission of building better, brighter brains. And of course, tag us so our team can properly thank you. Hashtag quick brain, K-W-I-K brain. Mine is at Jim Quick, K-W-I-K, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So what does FAST stand for? Facebook, apply, subscribe, teach. 
I'll see you in our next episode of Quick Brain. Until then, remember, you are faster and smarter than you think. I hope you're enjoying this episode. And if you want to go deeper with many of these authors that we have on our podcast, these experts, I want to invite you to join our Quick Success program. This is our monthly lives that I do, where I teach something brand new that we haven't taught before, answer your burning questions. And also we have something that people have been requesting for many years, a Quick Book Club. This is your Limitless Book Club, where every single month we read a book together, uh, like a book provided by this author. And then we get the author to come online and join us for one hour, share going deeper in these strategies, how to put them into practice. Uh, I share my five tips for how to memorize things out of these books. Many people want to read a book a month or build up to that. And this would be the program. So if you want to join, just go to quicksuccess.com and get your spot and join us live and get to meet these authors very uh, up close and personal. And uh, back to the episode.